0: Perhaps we got more than we bargained for. People were thinking of what to give up for Lent. They were thinking about candy bars, maybe the beer after dinner, perhaps an hour of television. Little did you know you were giving up all of your television, your internet, your electricity, your hot water. What a start to Lent this ice storm presented to us, and some of you were still without power. And so... These lessons uh, teach us what we can live without and what we can't. You're still alive. We can live without technology. Imagine that. But we cannot live without God. He is our reason for being. And yet, on this first Sunday of Lent, we go back to the very dawn of time, and we see how humanity was put on a very slippery slope to sinfulness, starting with that slithering serpent in the garden. God created everything and he gave it all to Adam and Eve. They truly had the world under their feet and wrapped around their finger. He said, all of this is for you, except the tree in the center of the garden. Don't go near it, don't touch it, do not eat its fruit. And God told them what would happen if they did. He said in chapter two, verse 16, if you eat it, you will surely die. But then all of a sudden, that snake comes up to Adam and Eve And he tells them, God's lying to you. He's keeping something from you that he doesn't want you to know. You need to eat the fruit, and your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God's. Perhaps this is where he earns his title, the Prince of Lies. And Adam and Eve fell for it. They were already like God, they were made in his image and likeness, never to grow old, never to get sick, never to die. The exact opposite of what Satan was telling them was the truth, but they fell for it. They broke God's one rule. And because our God keeps his promises, there was a penalty to be paid. Their life would be shortened. Adam and Eve were going to die, and they were going to be kicked out of that garden. We learn here that God is not the author of sin. We are. God does not want evil. We choose it. But wouldn't have been much easier if that snake had never been created by God in the first place. If he knows everything and he knew what the snake was going to do and he knew what Adam and Eve were going to do, why did he put them in that situation? And it was because, in God's eyes, all of us need to be able to choose. God doesn't force anyone to believe in him. God doesn't force those who believe in him to honor him or obey him or love him. You cannot force love. It has to be free and that's why Adam and Eve had to be given the choice and they failed and they ruined everything for everyone. People are still making bad choices today. We're still believing that prince of lies when he tells us something that's bad for us is actually good for us. When he's telling us something that will make you sad, will make you happy, we fall for it day in and day out. That is our temptation Some people think, boy, what a mean and harsh God for him to make them die and to kick them out of the garden. But it was a merciful God who made those decisions because he understood that once Adam and Eve had eaten that fruit, they were going to keep getting their hands caught in the cookie jar. The longer they lived and leaving them in that garden was going to keep them close to their temptation with no ability to defend themselves against it. So he got them out of the garden to get them away from temptation, and he shortened their lives because he was going to reduce the amount of time that they were going to spend longing for that forbidden fruit. But it was also this, from the very moment the gate clicked behind Adam and Eve when they left the garden, he was already setting in motion a chain of events that would lead to a new Adam, Jesus, born of a new Eve, the Blessed Mother, who would right their wrongs, Just as sin began at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Jesus the new Adam, sin would be conquered once and for all on the tree of the cross. But ever since that time, man has been tempted, and all too often we give in. Today we find Jesus at the beginning of the fourth chapter of Matthew's gospel, going off into the desert to face his temptation, but he's not the first to do so. The first to spend 40 days in the desert being tempted was Moses, 1,100 years before Jesus. That was early in the Exodus journey, where God told Moses, Leave the Hebrews at the base of Sinai. That was a million people. He went up the mountain. He was gone for six weeks. They couldn't see him because there was a thick cloud bank covering the mountain peak. He was gone so long, they thought he was dead. But Moses was up there waiting for the Lord to speak to him. And he fasted. He didn't eat anything. He didn't drink anything. And at the end of that time, God gave him the stone tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments. Little could Moses have known the Hebrews at the base of the mountain were breaking the first commandment while it was being written, worshiping a golden calf. Jesus has often been referred to as a new Moses because they have so much in common, though more than a thousand years separated their existence. Moses was chosen by God to lead the slaves out of Egypt to freedom in the promised land. Jesus is God and he leads us out of slavery to sin to the promised land of heaven. Moses did it by crossing the Red Sea. Jesus was this way able to turn water into wine and to walk on water into calm stormy seas. By the power of God, Moses could turn the Nile into blood. Jesus could turn wine into his blood. Moses is able to call forth water from the rock and bread from heaven. Jesus is the true bread sent from heaven that feeds multitudes until the end of time. Their 40 days are also a close link between Moses and Jesus. 40 days eating and drinking nothing. But why is Jesus out there? And where does this occur in the chronology, the timeline of his life? He is 30 years old. At the end of the previous chapter, he was just baptized in the waters of the Jordan. And up until the time of his baptism, Jesus never recorded a miracle, never gave a sermon. He's always been God, even before he took flesh to the womb of the Blessed Mother, saving up all this power within him. You would think that after his baptism with God, speaking from the heavens, this is the one you've been waiting for, this is the Messiah, this is your Savior, that Jesus would be off like a rocket, teaching, preaching, healing, working miracles. But instead, once Jesus is baptized, that same spirit that ascended on him like a dove led him out into the desert. And Matthew tells us why, to be tempted. As Jesus was fully divine, he's also fully human. This is his chance to more fully identify with the plights and problems of the human condition. But more importantly, Jesus is in that desert to confront that same slithering serpent, the prince of lies, Satan himself, and to put him on notice that his reign of terror in the hearts of men is soon to come to an end. And so they go at it for those 40 days. Jesus, getting hunger and more thirsty and more exhausted, he is weakened in his humanity, but his divinity does not fail him. And Satan continues to lie to him as he lies to everyone. And he says, if you are the son of God, do this, do that, bow down before me. He knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He just wishes that Jesus would transfer his allegiance from God the Father to him. And our Lord refuses. He wins the battle, and eventually on that cross, he would win the war. And now this is our 40 days where we find ourselves trying to confront and face off with our temptations so we can really figure out what we can live without and what we can't. And we pray that through prayer, penance, fasting, almsgiving, service, sacrifice, and self-denial, the Lord may help us this Lent to slim down from all the excesses of our life so that Whatever was not for him, whatever was not from him, once that's taken away, all the remains will be for his glory. And now, as I mentioned, today we celebrate the rite of sending for the RCIA. And so I'd like to welcome the director of the program, our director of Faith Formation, Mrs. Betsy Koval, to come and lead us.
1: Father Tim, I present to you the candidates who are beginning their final preparation for the sacraments of confirmation and Eucharist and reception into the full communion of the Catholic Church. They have found strength in God's grace and support in our community's prayers and example. Now they ask that they be recognized for the progress they have made in their spiritual formation and that they receive the assurances of our prayers and blessings as they go forth for recognition by Bishop Earl Boyer this afternoon.
0: Those who are to be recognized, come forward together with your sponsors.
1: Michael Allen, Scott Carstens, Billy Dawson, Arabella Dawson, Zachariah Dawson, Deborah Ellison, Laura Rundy, Matthew Robbins, Lindsey Watts, McGee Wood, and just checking if David Barker is here.
0: My dear friends, these candidates already one with us by reason of their baptism in Christ have asked to be able to participate fully in the sacramental life of the church. Those who know them have judged them to be sincere in their desire. During the period of their catechetical formation, they have listened to the word of Christ and endeavored to follow his commands more perfectly They have shared in the company of their Christian brothers and sisters in this community and joined with them in prayer. And so I announce to all of you here that our community supports these candidates in their desire. Therefore, I ask their sponsors to state their opinion once again so that all of you may hear. Sponsors, as God is your witness, do you consider these candidates ready to receive the sacraments of confirmation and Eucharist and to be received into the full community of the Catholic Church? Now I ask you, the members of this community, are you willing to affirm the testimony expressed about these candidates and support them in faith, prayer, and example as they prepare to participate more fully in the church's sacraments? Yeah. And now, my dear friends, I address you. Your own sponsors in this entire community have spoken in your favor. The church, in the name of Christ, accepts their testimony and sends you to Bishop Oroboye, who will exhort you to live in deeper conformity with the life of Christ. As a further sign of your intention, we now ask you to sign the book of the candidates. Sponsors, please join the candidates as they sign the book. Excellent. Brothers and sisters, we look forward to celebrating at Easter the life giving mysteries of our Lord's suffering, death, and resurrection. As we journey together to the Easter sacraments, these catechumens and candidates will look to us for an example of Christian renewal. Now let us pray to the Lord for them and for ourselves that they may be renewed by one another's efforts and come together to share the joys of Easter.
1: That our catechumen David and these candidates may be freed from selfishness and learn to put others first, let us pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, hear our prayer.
1: That their godparents and sponsors may be living examples of the gospel, let us pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, hear our prayer.
1: That their teachers may always convey to them the beauty of God's word, let us pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, hear our prayer.
1: That our catechumen David and these candidates may share with others the joy they have found in their friendship with Jesus, let us pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, hear our prayer.
1: That our community during this Lenten season may grow in charity and be constant in prayer, let us pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, hear our prayer. Father of love, empowered is your will to establish everything in Christ and draw us into his all-embracing love guide our catechumen David and these candidates in the days and weeks ahead. Strengthen them in their vocation, build them into the kingdom of your son, and seal them with the spirit of your promise. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. My dear friends, you're about to set out on the road that leads to the glory of Easter. Christ will be your way, your truth, and your life. In his name, we send you forth from this community to celebrate with the bishop the Lord's choice of you to be numbered among his elect. Until we meet again for the penitential rite and scrutinies, walk always in his peace. And as they go, let us congratulate them on this, their special day.